1: Welcome to Flipping Dreams. This week, I am brewing justice with Betsy Lay. She is one of the founders of Lady Justice Brewing, a forward-thinking brewery out of Aurora, Colorado, that not only is one of the few solely female-owned breweries in the United States, but also one of the very few Latina-owned and queer-owned breweries. We talk about brewing business And more importantly, their mission to make the world a better place one beer at a time through community-supported membership and their dedication to helping women and girls in the community to succeed. I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, please subscribe and share with friends, family, strangers. Appreciate your help getting out this labor of love and sharing encouragement. An inspiration to others that it's never too late to transform your past and empower your future. You're listening to Flipping Dreams. Well, I am so excited that you agreed to chat with me um, mm-hmm. because I want to hear all about your brewery. Um, I find it just super inspiring, and I mean, two things I love: beer and social justice. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So if you don't mind telling me a little bit about how this all came about.
0: So Lady Justice was founded uh, by me and then my two uh, good friends, Jen Cuesta and Kate Power. And they are, uh, we all met in AmeriCorps. We did AmeriCorps um, in the VISTA program, which is Volunteers in Service to America. And basically what you do in AmeriCorps in the VISTA program is you do capacity building at a nonprofit, and you live at the poverty level in the city in which you serve. So we spent two years together, um, essentially as like professional volunteers. We were making about $10,000 a year. Um, And so in this, and it was during the recession, so this was, we did this um, 2009 and 2011, And during that time, there were like, there was just no grant money, right? So fundraising was really hard during the recession for, especially for small nonprofits, like the one that we were working for. And so when we could, we would scrounge up some money and we would go to a local brewery and drink beers and just sort of commiserate over how hard our job was. Um, And at some point, Jen had said, you know, like, look at all the people in this place. It's packed. Every time we come here, how amazing would it be if, if the money that they're making, if the money that we're spending on beer could go to help this nonprofit that we're working at. Um, And so she was just like, it was just sort of this idea that is now called social enterprise, but at the time there wasn't really a sexy term for it, but she was, she was just looking around at how people prioritize drinking beer and spending money on beer, especially in Colorado at, at that time. And, um, and was like, why can't we, why can't we just use some of this money? People are already going to come here. They're already going to spend their money. Um, what if, what if you could funnel some of that into nonprofits? And so that was the initial conversation. And And really at first, I mean, we were just having beers talking. I didn't really, think much of it after after that but kate sort of held on to that idea and kate and jen left colorado to um each go to law school when kate was in law school she had a course where she had to do sort of like a business plan and sort of flesh out some business law stuff and so she um she tried this philanthropic brewery idea that you know jen had sort of mentioned and and so she wrote a little business plan for it and then she got um feedback from her fellow students and then from her law professors and uh, the feedback was good. And so she she called Jen and I up and she was like, I actually think we can do this. Like, I think this might be a thing we could do. And so she started working on it. And then when and when Kate and Jen graduated from law school and they both moved back to Colorado, um, I had just recently been laid off from my job and Kate and Jen were both looking for jobs. So we had a lot of time and so we um, we just sort of hit the ground running with it, and we would brew. We were all homebrewers before, so we started brewing together um, every chance that we got, and then we started building this business model and trying to figure out what would work and what wouldn't. So that's how it all started. And then we did fundraising in 2015, and we opened um, in twenty uh, August, I think, August or September of 2016 was wow. when we first um First had our beer available. Wow, so it
1: sounds like there's quite a bit of build-up time to yeah. actual mm-hmm. inception.
0: Yeah, wow. um, there was probably about two years of actual work on it before we launched.
1: Wow, and then once you launch, you're in Aurora. Um, how was the reception? And, um, and I'm really particularly interested in your community supported um, mm-hmm. that, that whole that whole um, idea of of like membership.
0: Yeah, so when we opened, the membership sort of came out of a need that we had. When we opened, when we were doing research on this in 2014, we could not find another brewery in Colorado that was philanthropic. And so we had to start asking questions like, is this even possible? It's kind Um, of
1: surprising considering how much environmental um, like support and focus there is in Colorado.
0: Yeah. And I would say breweries are very philanthropic by nature. A lot of breweries give a lot of money away, Um, but we couldn't find one that existed for the sole purpose of being philanthropic. And so we were like, I don't even know if this is legal, you know, are there state guidelines about what you can do with alcohol sales, you know, that sort of thing. And so we didn't know if this idea was gonna work, honestly. So we didn't want to take on a whole bunch of debt for it. And so we uh, we fundraised, our goal was $15,000. And I think we we hit that in like a week and then we ended up with about 20 grand. So we had 20 grand to start with. And so we um, we used that to buy a one barrel brewing system and a couple months rent on this tiny, tiny room in Mountain View, Colorado, which is part of the Denver metro area. And uh, so our memberships came out of this necessity of distribution because our the space that we were in was too small to have a tap room. So we needed to find a way to get beer to people. Um, and so we, we basically stole the CSA model, which is community-supported agriculture, because when we were in AmeriCorps, uh, we would split um, – you know, you can buy a farm share basically, and then you get the agriculture from that share. So we would split farm shares as a way to get our produce for cheap. And so um, I think Kate had the idea, like, what if we did something like that? You know, what if we had some sort of community-supported brewery model where people pay a membership fee up front and get their beer? And so that's what we did, and that worked because we we got to have all of the money that we needed to brew up front, and we got to control. And, uh, the amount that we brewed and we got to control our membership numbers and so at first um, our first two years we had anywhere from 75 to 100 members who um who were getting our beer from us once a month and then we grew out of that space and uh we shared space with another tap room for about nine months and then we were we were growing there too and it became apparent pretty quickly that we needed our own tap room and so we moved out of there and basically spent about seven or eight months searching for a spot. And that's when we found the, the Aurora um, taproom location. And so we, uh, let's see here, we closed on that deal. So we bought a bunch of um, equipment from the brewery that was in there. So we closed on that deal in the beginning of March. Our lease went into effect on March 15th and then our COVID shutdown happened in Denver on March 18th. Oh Yeah. So uh, our first like big tap room grand opening um, dreams were like completely slashed after that. And so we had to pivot again and figure it out. And so we did, we went back to our membership model and that worked really well and, we had, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but over 300. I think we had about 350-ish, 360-ish um, members for this round. And so people have been really re- receptive. Um, we're able to slowly open the tap room up. So we had been able to have people in the tap room over the last week, which has been um, it has been nice. But it's also scary because their safety is really important, too. So we, we're trying to be careful about that. And so it's... Um, it's been going well and people really seem to, um, they they love our beer and they also love the philanthropic side of this and the social justice side of what we're doing. So overall, it's going well. um, But yeah, we had to to do some major, major pivoting when COVID hit.
1: Which is another example of, uh, you know, flipping a dream of like it doesn't work one way, you figure out another way. Mm -hmm. um, Just don't get, don't give up or get too discouraged. There's always a way to um, to make it work. And yes. and especially because you already cultivated this community, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure they were really supportive and happy to support you um, during this time. What does it mean to be a member? Because when I first saw this, I thought of like the Packers, <laughs> where
0: yeah. you buy a share. <laughs> and right. so, yeah. You um, buy a share and then you come and uh, clean off brewery seats at the beginning of the season. Right, um, yeah. Uh, to be a member so we do it in um monthly chunks we have we call them membership rounds we haven't really come up with a sexy term to describe what it is but essentially we'll do a round for either lately they've been three months um so you'll pay for a membership and and we'll roll out special beers for you Um, monthly for a three-month period, right? So it's usually three or four beers that you get out of it. Um, When we were, when we first started, it was six-month memberships and people would get a 22-ounce bottle of beer and then a 12-ounce bottle of a test batch that we had been working on and people would be able to give us feedback on the beers and um, what they liked and what they didn't like about them. And we would do just special things for them, you know, sales on merchandise, stuff like that. And then when we moved in and was sharing space with another tap room, with another brewery, uh, we we had some tap lines available to us. So we would allow um, members, again, I think we did, I think we would do it quarterly. Um, and so members would come pick their beer up on Sundays. And that would be the, like the day that Lady Justice ran the tap room. And so they got taproom discounts. I think they got 20% off of their tab if they would come in on a Sunday and and have some beers when they picked up their, uh, their bottles. And then this last time around, because of, um, the unknown, the the unknown factors of COVID and we weren't really sure how it was all going to play out. We did all of the beers at once. So people picked up a four pack of 750 milliliter cans of, um, there are four different beers in that four pack. And so what they get now um they they get a discount on the rest of the to go beers that we've been selling so they get a discount on our six packs. And then I imagine we'll launch another round here again probably later in the summer and now that the tap room is open we'll get some tap room discounts and um, and stuff like that. So it's sort of like you get you get some fun like exclusive beers that other people that we haven't released publicly yet. And you get to basically just have our ear and and tell us what you liked and didn't like. And then a lot of our members will um, also point out, uh, they'll put us in touch with nonprofits that they know about. Um, And so, so it's just a really, just a way to like be a part of the Lady Justice family and to, we always email our members first when there's news about Lady J. So when we found this new tap room, they were the first people to hear about it before um, before the, the press releases went out and stuff like that. So it's just, it's a little bit of exclusivity, but we we look at it more of like, you're just a part of our family and you're just helping us, um, figure out how to, what to brew and when and how to grow.
1: Yeah. And how to achieve your goal, your social mission. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, um, about that part of it, of how you find your organizations and, um and and to date how many organizations have been paired up or um benefited mm-hmm. from Lady
0: Justice we have there's a f- couple different ways that we give our money um in our first 2 years of operation we did we funneled everything basically through a, a grants fund and so we had a really simple grant application we had one for girls specifically so girls 11 to 17 had an application they could fill out if they wanted us to fund some sort of program that they wanted to be a part of and then we also had an organizational application so nonprofits could apply for money for their programming and we would um we gave those out once a year and then when we were growing and sharing space we um What we were able to do is pick the nonprofits ahead of time, ahead of the membership round, so that when members bought um, their memberships for that quarter, they knew where the money was going already. So we we had picked two or three nonprofits to partner with that membership round. Um, Both models have worked really well for us. Um, I assume we'll continue to sort of do a mix of of both of those. And then, of course, we also do. events when events are allowed to happen, but we do events. We do a lot of beer donations or um, so maybe one-time donations uh, when we get special requests for them. And so overall uh, since 2016, we've given to 40, somewhere between 45 and 50 organizations, I believe. Um, That's great. And yeah. And the, the great thing about being in our own space and having uh, more volume to sell is that we're able to give more money away. So um, I think we'll end up at the end of um, the end of this quarter we'll, we will have donated um, about four, thousand dollars, which is more than what we're usually able to do in any one given membership round. So that's nice. Um that's great. Yeah. And so we we pick these nonprofits sort of it really just depends. Sometimes we'll pick a theme. Uh sometimes we will uh just find an organization that we really, really love and we just want to give we just want to give them money. Sometimes they come off of recommendations from our members. Uh so it really all depends on on what's going on at the time and, and what feels good.
1: I love that. And I love that your community, your members have so much input as well. Um, -hmm. so they really feel like they're, they're at the table with you. Um, and part of these decisions, Mm -hmm. um, as they support that, which is unique and really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Um, kind of cycling back to the fact that, um, you're one of the few female-owned breweries, mm-hmm. also one of the maybe only Latino-owned breweries. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you, you're breaking a lot of boundaries, basically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is really exciting. Uh, but I also have questions about that. Did you find there are, I mean, because there are a lot of craft brewer, breweries out there. Yes. Um, so I was really sad and shocked when I looked at <laughs> these statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, as you were, you know having this vision and getting ready to tackle it did you have any blockers did you have any like moments or um moments yeah of obstacles that you had to to get past
0: yeah uh yeah lady justice is in a very interesting position because out of i don't know how many breweries there are you can look it up really easily the brewers association keeps really great numbers on this stuff but Um, only, oh, shoot, uh, 3%, 4% of breweries in the United States are, um, owned solely by women, which I actually think is too high. When you actually break the numbers down, I, I think, I think it's probably more like 1% or even less. There are a lot of, um, co-owned breweries, either brother, sister, or husband and wife teams, and that those make up um that's like 46 percent so there there are there is a lot of female ownership but but there is not a lot of solely female ownership and so to have three of us in that position is really unique and then yes um jen is latina and there are uh it's the numbers are very low for um Latino Latina owned breweries. Uh, there is another Latino owned brewery, and um, there are three, three, four, five. Uh, Denver's great. Den- in Colorado, there's the, the there's a lot of numbers in Colorado, which is great. And then, out of the out of the female brewer numbers, um, uh, shoot, it's seven percent of all brewers are female. So, the, uh, yeah, so we hit a lot of these um, stats which is very unique and we're probably, we might be the only brewery that hits them all. We're also queer owned. So we hit all of these little um, outlier stats, which makes us special and puts us in a unique position. I think because um, we we get to see how the industry, um, how this plays out from that from that lens. And when we were first starting, most of what we ran into was, Just people doubting us, um, especially men. Or we would just get mansplained to all the time. Like, we couldn't go to the homebrew store and just ask for what we needed without a man being like, are you sure that's what you want? it's like, yeah, I've been doing this for a very long time. This is what I want. Please just let me buy it. Um, So, yeah, we got mansplained to quite a bit. Or we would get... um, We... uh, Yeah. I want to, I want to say that women did this too, but they really didn't. It was only men who told us that our business model wouldn't work or that our idea was um, too small or too big or whatever. And so we just ran into a lot, um, just a lot of people who doubted that we were able to do it. And it it almost all came from men. Um, So so what's the sort of thing that we run into Um, in Denver the brewing industry has sexism that they need to deal with um, pretty seriously. But we were lucky that in Denver, Denver is a very friendly brewing community, and Denver does have its own issue. It's not, um... <laughs> Sorry.
1: Or okay. in my camper and someone just walked past. It's okay, oh. Dot. It's okay, good girl.
0: Yes, you're so good. You're such a good <laughs> yeah. protector. <laughs> yeah, I have two cats and a dog, and they make appearances on almost every Zoom call. Like <laughs>
1: Sorry. So you were saying that there there's the Denver community is very welcoming and open and open and in terms of the brewing community versus elsewhere.
0: Yeah. You know, there are many, many places in the United States where if there's a woman working in the industry, she might be the only one in the area, you know? Um, And so we're lucky that we have a bigger support system and maybe, um, a bigger platform to to make sure that people are being treated well. And that is not to say that Denver's perfect, because it really is not. Um, it has, it experiences the same issues of uh, sexism, racism, all of that, that any other um, Korean community does. But I think because our numbers are bigger, because we do have maybe some better um, diverse representation you're at least able to um, to to shift the conversation a little bit quicker than maybe some other spaces, um, and so we take that seriously at Lady Justice, and we want to be a voice and just be a platform um, for those conversations. And so, whenever we can speak up and talk about it, we do, um, and we just want to be a a place that feels like. Um, you know, that we're going to welcome anyone into our doors and we're going to be a, a strong community. Um, and so we hope that we're, we're a accessible open space for people to come to. Um, and, and so that's stuff that we take really seriously.
1: That's, that's really, it's so important and it's so refreshing to hear. Um, and, I guess I wonder as people. So, um, the the idea behind flipping dreams is this idea of like overcoming obstacles, of building resilience, of not giving up on dreams, um, and figuring out ways to flip dreams that aren't working and find new dreams. That's um, kind of the idea of helping get people get unstuck. And so, if anyone is listening to this recording and thinking, you know, I've always wondered about you know, owning a brewery or starting something like that, but I'm female or I'm, you know, I don't feel like I would be supported. Um, Do you have any like words of encouragement on like that process or? um... Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really hard. I'll say that right away. um, You have to be willing to just work hard all of the time for it. Um, Things will not be handed to you. Uh, at all for this. And so and that's something to realize up front that, you know, you can look out at the brewing landscape and you can see that there are there are instances where it just sort of looks like men, especially white men, might even be handed funding for, to do stuff, right? Um, and it's always hard to know because you don't know behind the scenes, but it does feel that sometimes funding comes easier for white men and I think statistically you can show that um if you're a woman of color going out to get a loan for your business you're gonna have a harder time unfortunately um and so you have to have the grit and you just ha- you have to have the determination and you have to believe in what you're doing or else you're gonna um you'll you'll fade out pretty quickly so pay attention to that you know and and Kate will always say, trust your gut. And we sort of learned early on at Lady Justice that Kate's guts, gut feelings to things were actually pretty right on. So we, we, would, we would sort of, before making big decisions or um, before making any sort of uh, shifts or anything that we did, we would take a step back and be like, let's do an internal check and see how we're feeling about this. And if Kate was like, no, 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 we wouldn't do it. Cause she was almost always right. <laughs> um, and so I think that also just shows like trust your community. Um, do not try to do it alone. Even if you're the only brewer or the only funder or whatever, if you're the only business owner, that doesn't mean that you can't have a community of friends or family who can be there for you to help you. Sort of navigate some of these decisions because you you are not going to have the answers to everything. Um, more likely than not, you're gonna you're not going to have the answers to almost any of it because <laughs> um, there's a lot of different expertise that you need to open a business. Um, and brewing has has so many different things that you have to know how to do. And so, uh, so yeah, find people that you trust that you can bounce ideas and contracts and um, you know, P&L statements off of, you know, stuff like that. And then and then just um, I don't know, once when I have a hard time with Lady Justice, like on days where it just feels impossible, I always take a step back and I think about like what what does Lady Justice look like 5 years from now? Like if if I if I quit doing Lady Justice right now, what is what is 5 years look like? And And it's really eye-opening to think because i think about like look at where we were five years earlier um we had just done our fundraising campaign we hadn't even opened doors yet and so like and so here we are now so i always try to think about what does five years from now look like um if we can get over this hump or get through this obstacle uh are we going to be better for it or will we be more successful and so if you can envision Um, the success that you're going to have in the future for me it it helps me stay the course Um, because I think it helps it helps you get out of the like nitty-gritty details of stuff you know you get out of the weeds Um, and I yeah so I just think knowing have a have a plan but knowing that it's not going to go to plan and and then just just know that it's going to be hard and you're going to need to rely on people and you're going to have to find people you trust
1: I think that. that I think that's so important because, um, uh, as with any, anything, any new venture, um, it's easy to have the energy and excitement up front. Uh, but once you start getting in the weeds after, uh, you know, a few months and slogging through it or years, um, it's easy to lose that focus. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, uh, helps me is like, I, I, it's like, I, I, uh, I make a commitment, a time commitment for whatever project I'm doing. So, you know, even though right now, you know, it may be this, I may only have so many subscribers or, or so many shows. I, I'm like, I'm still going to do this every week, every week, I'm going to dedicate and just, I'm just going to do it and keep Mm -hmm. doing all the things and learning about it. And eventually, yeah, a year from now, I'll look back and be like, okay, then let's reassess, but -hmm. I'm not going to let myself, Reassess right now. Like, it doesn't matter how tired I am or how much I like when I want to throw my computer across the room because I've, the editing software is frozen yeah. or whatever. Like, I'm just like, no, I'm just, this is my promise to myself. And I'm doing it because I believe that I want to find those people and help magnify those voices mm-hmm. that are dreamers, people who yeah. are not afraid to take the risk, um, who maybe. It doesn't work out sometimes maybe have fallen flat but then they've they're continuing to go they're continuing to do it because um i think it's really important that we have more encouragement right now versus i mean let's face it (laughs) yeah it's pretty dire
0: Yeah. yeah i mean stuff is hard right now across the board um for everyone right and for some more than others and for some people, this might be a perfect time to just go for it, you know, because, like, literally, what do you have to lose, <laughs> right? Um, and for other people, it's, it's a really bad time to go for it because, um, you, you know, having a stable job or having, you know, something to be sure of might be the most important thing right now. So, yeah, I don't think there's a, one good answer for anyone. And, you know, like you were saying, like, trying to do something and just going for it doesn't mean that you also won't fail and I also think there's something really important about if you if you are the type of person who can who can try something and fail and know and not even because it's not failure but if you try something and it doesn't work it, if you know when to walk away from something you are probably a much more a much healthier well-rounded person than somebody who who keeps going just for Um, the sake of keeping it going if that makes sense so like I think I think it's all about knowing setting your own boundaries because I think personal care self-care is really really important to do any sort of dream building work Um, and at the end of the day like if you step back and just say like actually I'm miserable and uh, I don't (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. It's okay to not do it anymore, and you, you will, you will be successful in that. You that you will be making yourself much happier and opening up doors to stuff that you couldn't open up before because you weren't looking in that direction, right? And so I just think overall to achieve to do like yeah these to do dream work um, to start a project on something. Obviously, if it's a dream of yours. Uh, I would hope that you would have the the care for it and the love and the motivation for it because that's the most important thing. If you do not believe in the project, just don't do it, and it's okay to not do a project you don't believe in. Um, but if you I do, think, it, yeah,
1: yeah, I think the motivation behind it is key, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're just doing something for money or doing it for notoriety or likes or whatever, then probably you're going to be disappointed like chances are you know
0: (laughs) yeah and there are times you know it's funny there are times when um when Lady Justice is just doing really well and we'll do we get all sorts of national media for something and there's been times when I've gone to conferences and been like stopped and recognized for being a part of Lady J and it's like oh that feels really great Right, that feels so good in the moment, but then um, if that's all you're going off of, you know, because you have no, you know, like six months later, nobody's gonna know your name or your face or care, right? You know, so these things, there's an ebb and flow to all of it, and so you you just have to be willing. You have to care about it as much when things are really crappy as you do when things feel good, because um, when things are when you're in the low, when when things don't feel good. If you don't believe in the project, um, you're going to just burn out completely.
1: People don't always understand what you're building until later, you know, like, um, you know, it's like you have the vision in your mind, but you have to take the steps to get there. But like you're not always going to have people like bought into it until much later. And then they're like, Oh my God, that was a great idea. That is so cool what you're doing. But in the beginning, they're not going to get it necessarily. And so that's even more why you have to like trust yourself and trust your community and your core mm-hmm. supporters because um yeah, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It makes a lot of sense. And then there are people who, think they know what you're talking about and that's not what you're talking about, if that makes sense too. Um and so it's always navigating yeah, because when you when you are start when you have your dream project and you're working on it every day and you have you have a plan for it and you have a vision, people can't see what's ahead and they don't see what you you know, what you keep it in your notebook and all of that. And so I think, um you have to have really clear expectations for yourself and for others about what this means and what might be like the greatest idea of all time to you. Some people are going to look at it and be like, I don't get this. Right. Um, And one of our, one of Kate's like crowning achievements that she always says she's most proud of in Lady Justice is like turning the doubters into people who like can believe in what we're doing. And so when we were first starting, we did a sort of a, business mentorship meeting so city denver has this program where if you're going to start a business you can go meet with like they're usually just like retired business owners who have some time to like look over your business plan and give you tips and so like kate's all excited to go in there and talk to this guy and she's like yeah we're opening a brewery and he was just like yeah you and everybody else in denver like he did not care he was breweries are not Cooler, or, or special. Everybody has one, right? And so she was like, "Okay, the rest of this meeting is about me getting the guy to get excited about justice." And at the end, he was just like, "You know, I think this could be a really good idea." And so she was like, "That's the that's the win. And that little win carried her months and months and months when we were first starting." She's like, "If I can get this crotchety old man to buy into this, I can get anybody to buy into this." Um, and, and that's so, great. yeah, it takes that's that's and some and grit right, right to there. Talk about that stuff too. Yes, it is. And it really is, you have to understand yourself what you're talking about to be able to make it work too. So we always um justice, we wanted to we wanted to like hit the ground running on it a few times when we were fundraising. And we had to we had to take a step back and be like, No, we don't actually have all the information we need to fundraise right now. And so that's why we fund that's why we did our fundraising in twenty fifteen instead of twenty fourteen, you know. So knowing, being an expert in what you're doing also really helps. Yeah.
1: Being an expert and also trusting yourself, um, and having that confidence in yourself is like 90%, I would say.
0: Yeah. And there is a, there is something to be said for fake it until you make it. Like sometimes you just get in situations where, um, maybe like things are going the right enough direction for you where you're just like okay as long as I can convince these people of this one little thing for you know a couple more months we might actually you know get some more funding or we might you know be able to launch some sort of new program and so um yeah and I think that's more just about uh like having the right kind of charisma also works too and that's something that having the three of us Jen and Kate and I we all have different personalities and we Learned, and it was so great because the, there was also this thing about not going into business with your friends, which I can completely understand. And as a general rule, is probably a good idea. But Jen and Kate and I had worked together for two years, you know, ahead of time. Kate and I were roommates for a year; like we knew each other very, very well. And so we felt good about this partnership. And I probably wouldn't have done it with anyone else other than these. Two. And um, but we learned early on who's personalities could match up with other people so we knew that Kate was just so charming on the phone and she could make anybody her best friend on the phone so anytime we had questions that we had to call the state government or the federal government about, we had we had Kate do it because she could just like she has this way of just getting people to just like relax and not be so uptight about stuff. And so we, we would get our answers and have much friendlier interactions with government people if Kate made the phone call versus me. Um, and so we just started learning about how, do, you know, how do we do this? And when when we would have dudes who were doubting our abilities about brewing or expertise about brewing, like that was my that was my thing. Like I can make, I think dudes believe, believe me. Right. And so knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to play to those is very, very important. That is so interesting. And it's interesting that
1: like as one person, cause I always think about that. Um, it's like, who's your audience and what do you need to turn on or turn off or, you know, constantly kind of self-modulating um, mm-hmm. depending on who I'm talking to or what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, so it's great that there's three of you, you can
0: like parse that out, you know, if you're ever able to do it in a team, um, do it, but team doing, doing stuff in a group of people is really hard. And we had to learn, um, even though we knew each other, we really did have to learn how to work with each other. And we had to, we actually, um, have the book on it right here. We had a, Jen had a family friend. Who started a sort of like personality test um, company that was that worked specifically with with founders and learning how to work with each other. And so she reached out to us when we were first starting and did one of these personality assessments for us for free. Uh, and so the assessment itself was completely focused on how are the three of you going to operate in a working environment together as three like co-decision makers and all of this and doing that was super helpful because we so because then we could take a step back if things were getting frustrated um or if we couldn't agree on something we could take a step back and be like no actually like i know that jen is a green person right now and her greenness is is why we're hitting this wall so i am a yellow person and i can just let things go so i'm just gonna let this go and then we'll move on you know so just knowing like this is my personality and this is your personality. Um, you're not doing this to be malicious or to be difficult. It's just who you are. You know, it's just who you are. So that was really helpful. Like
1: really empowering. First of all, it's super respectful. Um, mm-hmm. I work at Stitch Fix uh, as a software oh. engineer and we do a mm-hmm. lot of like leadership training and learning and uh, like understanding to how to give, give and receive feedback is one of the hardest things. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially if you're with people that have really strong feelings about things and they also, everyone has different personalities and different, just different Mm -hmm. makeup. Um, and so being able to navigate that and understand and be able to respectfully, um, disagree or state your side or work or let it go in the case of like, this isn't, this isn't the hill I want to die on. I can, I can move on, you know, um, I think that's just that's a really awesome business model and something that um I think anyone who is running a business with more than one person or a group, that would be vital.
0: Yeah, and that our role because we were friends and we still are friends a bit, because we were, <laughs> Yes, we love well, each very good. much. Yes, very much so <laughs> friends. Um because we were friends when we started, our role was always if this is going to kill our friendship, we're done. So if there was any point where we felt like the business side was going to ruin our relationship with each other, we just kind of had this pact that we were like, the business is just going to be done and we're going to walk away from it. And we're going to keep being friends because that was the friendship and our, our relationships with each other were why Lady Justice worked and they still are why our our roles and our, um, you know, our roles in the company have changed over time because we all work full-time jobs, so the time that we have to give to this project is different for each of us, and we've been going at it for five years now, and it's, um, so things have changed, but they have changed in a really healthy way, and anytime a shift was made or a pivot was made, it was always made in consultation with each other, um, and so, yeah. So I just think if you're gonna do it with a friend, make sure uh I would make that pact that if that if the friendship is the thing that you value the most, uh stick with that. If the business is the thing you value the most, then know that too. Um and have those understand you know, make that understood. But for us we knew that um our relationships with each other were more important than the business was. That's that's so important. Um, Well, before
1: we lose this internet connection again, um, (laughs) I want to ask what, where is Lady Justice going in the future? Um, What is,
0: do you have a vision for that or? Yeah. Yeah. You know um, because of COVID we had to shift our business model in a way that, um, that we weren't expecting to do. So we're having to, shift to a more packaged beer distribution model. And I didn't expect us to be at that place for another three or four years. So we're sort of, we're sort of shifting what Lady Justice looks like in the community now. And so for me, um, the future of Lady J is really always going to be about our nonprofit giving and our philanthropic side. Um, And then on the business side, it's just a we're we're growing, I think we'll continue to grow, but I think we're in a really unique position to think about what does being a brewery during and post COVID look like. I think our taproom model that we were banking on uh is totally out the window now. We we're not gonna make that money anymore. And so how do we how do we make how do we keep making money so that we can keep donating back to our community? And so for us I think we're just going to end up being more innovative and more creative. And I think we're going to grow because of that. So
1: go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, have you thought of any like partnership models as far as like finding other breweries that have kind of similar um, mission or similar uh, vision and and Mm -hmm. doing some sort of partnership or I don't know.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. The Denver brewing scene is very collaborative um, anyway. And so yeah, we always look at ways that we can partner um, with other breweries. One of the great things about what we can do is we can bring a crowd. So once crowds are allowed again, we can bring our people almost anywhere. And so we, before COVID, we were playing with this idea of doing a traveling membership program where we would collab with different breweries and everybody would pick up their beer at that brewery, right? And so, um, yeah, I think I think we have to be collaborative in our partnerships right now. Um, I think we have to pool resources as much as we can, and um, just keep just keep pushing the boundaries of what it means to be a brewery right now is is sort of what um, Lady Justice has been good at in the past, and I think we'll continue continue to keep doing that and just sort of pushing the envelope of what's what what's possible for uh, a social enterprise and what's possible for a brewery.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, um, before we Finish up here. Did you have a chance to think of uh, one of your favorite quotes for the quote of the week? Did I ask you this in the email? I can't remember.
0: I don't remember the favorite. What?
1: Sorry, I didn't catch. Oh, usually I do a quote of the week. So I don't know if you have a favorite quote or something that you've seen recently.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, you know the the one that comes to mind right now because I have the book right next to me the book that turned me into a brewer was the joy of homebrewing by Charlie Papazian, who is sort of like the, the godfather of the modern brewing um, movement. And he, he, he is the reason why anybody ever homebrewed from like 1975 till today. He's the reason anyway. So in his book, his whole theme of his book is relax. Don't worry, have a homebrew. And, um, and I think that captures so much of what the brewing community is trying to do is, just like, hey, relax, don't worry. Brew a beer, drink a beer. We're all going to be okay. So um, I think right now times are tough and, and anxieties are hard, and we're trying to make a lot of really important systematic changes in the world right now, which is really good. But it's really heavy work. So um, relax, don't worry might sound a little bit, <laughs> uh, I don't know, not. Uh, not for right now, because <laughs> I think we should be a little uptight and worry a little bit. But um, when it comes to when it comes to beer right now, my yeah, my big thing is just, you know, relax, don't worry. We'll be OK. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think yeah. that's yeah, there's plenty of time to worry. But then, uh, you know, how much will you really accomplish by worrying? You might as well relax yeah. and have a good beer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh you know, and when you relax and have a good beer, you can actually get a lot of good thinking done too. So
1: Yeah, or like decide you want to like, you know, build a brewery. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's
0: exactly what happened to us. So
1: that's amazing. Um yeah. well thank you so much for um chatting with me for um oh, one other thing. I want to know how to get a t shirt. Oh yes. Um I and on the website that link wasn't
0: yeah, we are um we're right now in the middle of we re- did a rebrand and so we have a new logo. So we are right now in the middle of working with our designers on all new merch. So give me a couple weeks and and we'll have new merch on the website and you can order it and we'll we'll ship it to you. So um just keep an eye out on our social media. We will be sure to let everybody know when we have that merch available. That is great.
1: And hopefully my camper travels will bring me closer to you and I can actually come in and have one of your beers and, uh, enjoy. Yes, um, yeah. yeah. And meet you in person. So, um, yeah, well, thank yeah. you so much. And, um, I will put all oh. the links to everything in the show notes. Um, but thank you for all that you do and are continue to do have done already. Um, and keep brewing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, you too. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye. Are you feeling stuck at a crossroads in your personal life or career, trying to determine which way to go? Maybe you've been pursuing a dream for years that suddenly. Seems like it's time to make a pivot? Check out my course on Teachable Flipping Dreams. I guide you step-by-step through the process of flipping your dreams like you would flip a house. Through journal, video, and guided demonstrations, I'll take you through this process where you will take control of your life and your future. Building your dream life from the ground up, excavating, building the foundation, framing it in, drawing up a blueprint, seeing the vision for your future, and then designing it, finishing it, and moving forward confidently into your dream life. So please check it out. And otherwise, I'll see you here next week on Flipping Dreams.